many of you guys are excited to be in the house of God today? I am pumped, man. Absolutely thrilled. You know, it's impossible to not be excited after worship like that. I got one amen. I'm excited. All right. I just hope that it's contagious today because we have our very first Sunday of doing two services, which means if you've chosen to come to the second service, you just better buckle up, man. Because when I get up to preach on the second time around, I'm just feeling all the more that thrilled to give you guys the word of God. So is anybody hungry for a word today? We're going to read from the scriptures. We're going to talk about the scriptures. We're going to continue on our second sermon installment of our series this month for January called Foundations. How many of you guys were here last week? Just a few of you guys were here last week. That's insane. I know that there were more people than that, right? How many of you guys were here last week? A few of you guys. Okay, awesome, awesome, awesome. That means that a lot of you guys couldn't be here last week. That's okay. You're probably traveling out of town or you had that terrible flu. I hope you guys are, are free from that in Jesus' name. And that, that was just absolutely terrible. But last week we covered week one of Foundations where we talked about the Lordship of Jesus. And so... How many of you guys know that Jesus is not just God, our creator, but he's also Lord. He's in charge of our life. Amen. And so that's what we talked about last week. And we're going to continue that talk this week. And instead of trying to sandwich two core values into one message, I decided really to just highlight one and then preach on the other. And so the second core value that we're going to talk about today, I'm really going to preach on the third, but the second core value that we have here at Legacy is our devotion to the presence of God in prayer. Can I get an amen? We are a devoted people. Christians are called to be committed, and we value devotion here at Legacy Nashville, especially to the presence of God, our friendship with Jesus Christ in a place of prayer. Thirdly, though, I'm going to talk about the value that we have for the written word of God, a.k.a. the Bible, all right? And so I know that it may seem like an oversight to give a presentation or a Sunday morning message on the importance of the Bible, the scriptures, the written word of God, but I wanted us to take an entire Sunday morning and really talk about the value that we have as a family, as a church, as a New Testament, New Testament community for these scriptures, all right, is that okay with you guys? Yeah. So as I do that, I, I, was, I was thinking this week in my study, I was thinking this week in my prayer time about the scriptures and about just how seemingly difficult it is um, to, to read the Bible every day, to really, to really dig into the word, keep up with the Bible reading plan. And I started to think about this new commitment that I've made in 2017. And, and, and that commitment, it's, it's called paleo. How many of you guys have heard of that commitment? Oh, man, guys, I, I got to tell you, it's, it's a stretching commitment. Everybody in here, anybody in here ever went paleo before? A handful of you guys lasts about three hours, right? Man, dude, it's, it's not that easy, you know, because sometimes, like, you think something is good because it's vegan, but then it's got, like, some added sugar or something, so you can't eat it because it's not paleo. So I got some paleo cookies in my fridge right now. They're just marinating. They're ready for me because I've been missing cookies over the last seven days. So I'm excited about that. It's a side note. I love cookies. All right. If you want to get me something for Pastor Appreciation Month next November, cookies. All right. I'll receive them with the glad heart. 
So yeah, I've been doing this thing, man, called paleo, and, and I am liking it. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I am liking it. I feel good. I feel great. But dieting is difficult. Amen? First time I went paleo, uh, we tried it. We lasted not even a day, probably. I don't know. Maybe we lasted a week. I can't remember. But I just remember the day I broke it. I remember the day I stopped eating paleo for good. I was in the line at Qdoba. Now, <laughs> we're not going to argue over which is better, Qdoba or Chipotle, because we all know who wins that battle. The place with queso. <laughs> so, no, so I'm, I'm eating paleo, right? So I've already made the health conscious decision not to drown my burrito bowl and that delicious cheesy goodness they call queso. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm not going to do any queso because I'm on this paleo thing. But I tell the lady across the counter, I'll have my brown rice because, you know, that's healthy. And I'll have some black beans because, as you guys know, that's healthy. And then my wife taps me on the shoulder. She's like, hey, uh, you can't eat brown rice on paleo. And I'm like, the devil is a lie. <laughs> Last I checked, brown rice is healthy. She said, can't eat, can't eat brown rice. No grains on paleo law. And I said, okay, all right, cool. All right, whatever. I'll go, I'll forego the brown rice. I like brown rice. I'll forego the brown rice. I said, no brown rice, ma'am. Just hit me with the black beans. She tapped me on the shoulder again. Can't eat legumes or whatever. Is that what it is? Is that how you say that? How do you say it? How do you say it? Legumes. It depends on where you're from. Yeah, exactly. I'm from Kentucky. Legumes. How we say that up there? She said, you can't have black beans. I said, what evil is this? I, I bond this. I cancel this. I cancel you, paleo, in the name of Jesus. And at that point, I made the decision. I said, ma'am, you know what? Just go ahead and throw the, the brown rice in there and the black beans too. Because I'm about to serve up justice to this paleo demon. Right here, right now, I am going to have me some, uh, a burrito bowl with brown rice and black beans. So I put it on there. I did, I, now, I got to be honest, I, didn't, I withheld the queso. I didn't eat the queso, but I sat down and I ate the meal. And, uh, you know, I enjoyed it. So thankfully, I'm making it a little bit longer than a few hours this time, you know. But how many of you guys know, man, dieting is tough. It's hard. It's hard to diet. Have you guys ever tried to diet before? I don't even like the word diet. It just implies this short-term thing. It's like, you know, oh, I'm going on a diet, you know, for a few weeks. And it, I, I understand it's a good thing, but I'm just more of like a, a radical personality. You know, if I can't do it for life, I don't want to do it at all. You know what I mean? It's like, let's just go for it, man, teetotaling. And, uh, you know, so I, I don't like it for that reason. But as I thought about that this week in the context of what I'm preaching today, I really thought, you know, I think that the same strength required to keep up with the diet is about like the same strength required to keep up with a daily Bible reading plan. Because it requires some discipline. Somebody say discipline. It requires some responsibility. Somebody say responsibility. And here's the key word. It requires some maturity. Nick had me. Yeah. That's the amen corner right there. You guys need to sit there. It's the amen corner, right? And so I started thinking about that. I said, man, you know, that really is, it's, it's, it's a lot like that. Then I thought back to all the Netflix documentaries I've watched. Anybody watch Forks Over Knives before? 
we've all watched that, right? Anybody watched, uh, you know, documentaries about where your food comes from? And anybody else watched that? And you got so convicted, right? And the next day, you had an apple pie from McDonald's. <laughs> right? Because they are good. And you guys know what I'm talking about, right? So I realized, man, us not eating healthy is not because we suffer from a lack of good information. There's enough good information out there. Us eating unhealthy is not because we don't have access to good info. We eat healthy because we don't have the ability to resist temptation, right? We don't have the ability to say no to compromise to the commitment that we've made. Amen. So it's not for the lack of good information. And I think it's the same way with the Bible. It's like we have plenty of resources out there. Hello, Bible.com. You can get that right on your phone, right? They can remind you. You can listen to the Bible every day on your way to work. So it's not the lack of good resources. It's simply the strength to resist the temptation and to not give in to compromise. And I think that, you know, that same strength, that same discipline, that same steadfastness, that's going to be required if we're going to keep up with a daily Bible reading plan. And I think that it's important if we're going to talk about the Bible as something that's important to the church, the Bible must become something that's important to you. Because the Bible's not important to the church unless it's important to everybody that's a part of the church. Amen. We don't just pull out the scriptures when it's time to give a sermon because it looks good on a keynote. We, we give the scriptures, we talk about the word because it is the foundation. It is the essence for what we do here today as a church. Now, we don't worship the exact same way that they worshiped in Acts chapter 2, but we still take the DNA, we take the culture, we, we, we talk about the foundations of what, we did, what they did, and we, we do that today. Amen? And so everything that we do as a church, we endeavor to do that built on a foundation of the word of God. So I know that sometimes, you know, we can get distracted uh, you know, we can, we can compromise with the diet and with the Bible reading plan. But what I want to do today is I really want to talk about the maturity. And I want to talk about the commitment required to value the Bible in your life. Because the word of God in your life is your victory. Amen. And so according to how you value the word will be dependent on how you walk in victory. How many of you guys know there's no gray area in the kingdom? You are either overcoming or you're being overcome. And the offensive weapon that is the word of God is what I want to talk about today. So if you have your Bible, I want you to go ahead and open it up to 2 Timothy 3 and 16 or open up your app. 2 Timothy 3 and 16. I'll read two verses of scripture to start and we'll break that down. I have a bunch of points today. I don't know why I outlined my message with so many points, but I have like five points and then like A, B, and C. I don't know why I did that. I never do that. But it just felt appropriate since we were going all scholarly and talking about the Bible. So here's 2 Timothy 3 and 16 and 17. It says, all scripture, you guys say it with me, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God or the woman of God may be complete. Everybody say complete. complete. That's an important word right there. Equipped for every good work. That's where we're going to start. We're going to pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that your word is alive, that it's living, that it's breathing, that it's active in our lives. And I pray today, God, that you would release your word, both through the written word and the spoken word of revelation, into the people of God, into the family of God, that we might be strengthened and equipped and been made complete by this word today. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Amen. So the first point I have, guys, is that we value the Bible because the Bible is the Word of God, and the Word of God is life. Amen. How many of you guys know that the Bible is the Word of God? Amen. And the Word of God is life. Every scripture that we have contained in that 66-chapter love letter from God has been divinely inspired. It has been breathed out by the Holy Spirit, by Yahweh, who we sung about today. Every one of the scriptures is God-breathed. The scriptures are not just a man-made book of history. Amen? But they are divinely inspired. They are the word of God. And that word, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 tells us that that word is living and it is active. Everybody say active. active. So there is life in the Bible, guys. Did you know that? There is life in that thing, man. When you read it every day, when you look at it, when you study it, when you pray it, when you apply it, it releases you into the abundant life that Jesus Christ has ordained for you. That's how we reach that. That's how we get there. That's how we live in that, is by reading the word. That is the abundant life that Jesus promised. You want to live hashtag blessed? Read the word and do what it says. Simple prescription. If you want to be blessed, read the Bible and do what it says. That's the maturity thing that we were talking about. You know, a lot of people can read the Bible, but to do what it says requires some maturity. A lot of people can hear the word, but the Bible says that we're not just supposed to be hearers of the word, but you guys finish it. We're called to be doers. Oh, come on. That's good, right? We're not just called to be hearers. We're called to be doers. Amen? Amen. We're not called just to receive the seed. We're called to take responsibility for the fruit. Are you guys with me? Am I messing with you? The word is alive, man. It's a living, it's an active seed, even though it may seem dormant, even though it may seem like a small seed that's doing nothing. When that seed goes into the soil of this heart, it produces a harvest. It produces fruit. Just because it may seem to be boring to read the Bible every day, well, I'm not getting anything out of this. We'll keep reading it because you don't get anything out of just throwing a seed in a bucket. But once you water it every day, what happens? Something comes up. Don't quit out of temporary discomfort. Keep watering the seed. Keep coming back day in and day out. And I promise you it will no longer be dry and stale, but it will be living. It will be active and it will be breathing into your soul, to your spirit, to your body, to your mind. You'll be healed. You'll be equipped. You'll be complete and you'll be, a, you'll be ready to do good works. Amen. That's the word of God. Uh, point C to this is we are taught by the word. All right. The word teaches us about God. And we get to know him by stewarding a relationship with the word. How many of you guys would be friends with somebody that never, ever, ever talked to you? It'd basically be impossible, right? Well, how do we expect to be friends with God if we never talk to him, if we never communicate with him, if we never read the Bible, if we never read the word, right? We get taught by the word how to have a relationship with God. We learn about God. We learn about how to connect with him. The word also teaches us how to live. It corrects us where we live wrongly. Don't worry about that. It's okay. How many of you guys know that the Bible corrects us? The Bible has something to say about our lifestyle. Amen? It exposes sin in our lives, and it shows us where we need to change. It shines a light on the places that God longs to heal. Anybody ever heard this terminology? Man, I got really triggered by that. Anybody ever heard that before? 
Like, man, I got super triggered by that. Like, it really messed me up. And I feel like sometimes when people say that, it's almost like framed up in a negative context, in a context where they're like, man, I'm just suffering. I'm just not healed in this area. I think that when we are triggered, I really think that's the voice of the Lord revealing to us something he wants to heal. He's saying, hey, the only reason you're triggered by that is not because I'm trying to shame you. It's because tr- I'm trying to reveal to you an upgrade. And you're like, oh, man, that really hurt me. That's not because of your struggle. That's because of God's grace. He's like, boom, there's a staircase. Want to come up here? I know you're struggling, but I'm not highlighting your struggle. I'm just talking to you about my grace. The word also trains us. It trains us to live the lifestyle of Jesus, which is a lifestyle, you guys ready for it? Of righteousness. That's what the Bible says. It says, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, that it is training for righteousness. The Bible teaches us about holiness. Somebody say holiness. Holiness. Which means that the Bible is a backstop for our convictions. All right? So you guys know it's pretty easy to develop your own philosophy, uh, uh, philosophy about what you're allowed to do in life and it not be sin. Well, hey, just because it's not okay for you doesn't mean it's not okay for me. Anybody ever heard that before? You know, and then we start asking each other questions. Well, do you think I should be able to do this? Because, you know, I'm just not sure. Well, the Bible actually helps us. It creates a backstop. It builds boundaries for us. It keeps us living a righteous and a holy lifestyle. We mentioned this in the first service, and it's not in my notes. It's in Psalm 119 and 9, where the question is begged, how can a young person live in purity? You ever ask yourself that before? Man, it's just impossible, man. There's too much temptation for kids these days. There's no way that they can live in purity. There's no way that they can live righteously. But Psalm 119 and 9, I think that's right. It tells us that we can actually live a lifestyle of purity by being obedient to the word of God. The Bible is not just a backstop to keep you from sin. The Bible is actually what propels you into a lifestyle of righteousness. When we read it, we study it, we pray into it, and then we apply it and live to do it, we live holy and righteous lifestyles. We don't just get to make up righteousness. We don't just get to decide on our own what's holy and what's not. The Bible has actually given us a lot of boundaries about that. You guys know faith is not something we get to make up as we go along, but it's actually inherited And it's discussed in the scriptures. It's revealed to us in the scriptures. It's released to us through legacy and through the lineage of the church. Amen? So we don't have permission just to tweak everything, but we do have the word as a backstop as our foundation. Amen? So here's the next point. We are made whole by the word. The word of God actually completes us. It shows us who we really are, and it heals everything that holds us back from becoming that person. That's what the word of God does. It heals us. Did you guys notice in 2 Timothy 3 and 17 where it says that every man of God or woman of God may be complete? Did you, did you know that the word of God has an assignment over your life and that is to complete you? And that is to heal you? That is to make you whole? Now, I talk to a lot of people who feel wounded, but that's the job and the assignment of God's word is actually to hunt down your woundedness and bring healing in those places. So when you read it over yourself, you actually heal yourself. 
You read it over your mind, you start to heal your mind. You start to take your toxic thoughts. You start to take, take your comparison. You, you start to take, you know, your competition. And you let the Bible talk to you about those situations. And they bring healing into your life. The Bible makes us whole. We become whole by the word. So here's point two. We value the word as our compass. And what that means is, is that the word of God leads us. The word of God actually directs us. Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Amen? Amen. Sometimes what, what, what I, uh, I think about that a lot because um, my dad actually told me when I was younger, he said, son, when you don't know what to do, just do what you know to do. Doesn't that seem like strange advice? But what he was saying is, hey, return to the basics. Go back to the fundamentals. Go back to the simple things like scripture. You know, scripture, reading the Bible and prayer is one of the first aspects of the Christian life that we learn to do when we get saved. But reading the Bible and prayer is one of the first aspects of the Christian life that we stop doing once we've been in church for a while. Right? So we're like, ah, I got it all figured out. I'm good. But the thing about the word of God, man, it's like a coal mine. Like you dig into it and then you discover a layer of richness, but if you keep digging, you keep discovering more layers. It just keeps getting better and better over time because it's a relationship, not a study. I don't study my wife. I have intimacy with my wife. I'm in relationship with my wife. So the longer we spend time together, the more we get to know each other, the more richness, the more goodness, the more beauty that I discover. And that's the same way with the word of God. He's not asking you just to become a student. He's asking you to become a friend. That's what the word of God does for us. It's our compass. It leads us. A lot of times when I think about, you know, the future and I get afraid and I'm like, man, I don't know what's coming. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if I'm going to make it there. I got all these promises. I got all these prophecies. I don't know if I can do it. I'm reminded by this passage. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I don't need to know what's a hundred yards out. I need to know what's right here. And the word is a lamp to my path. I don't need to see 10 steps ahead of me. All I need to see is the one step and take it in faith. And I can see that when I read the word. There's no fear of the future when, 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 you're, when you're buried in the word. Number three, the Bible keeps us from error. I think this is really important when we talk about planting and building a church as a foundation of legacy. Psalm 119, 10 and 11 says, with my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You guys know that God would never give you a spoken word of revelation that would violate the written word of, of revelation? Do you guys know that? That's how we test all of our prophecies. That's how we test all of our promises. That's how we test the things that people pray over us. We hold it up next to the written word of God. Because the spoken word of God never violates the written word of God. And so the written word of God keeps us from error. When we're trying our best to navigate our words, when we're trying our best to navigate life, we can return to the Bible and know that we're on the right track. Amen? Amen. So how many of you guys know this? Uh, we don't just read the Bible. The Bible reads us. Amen? That's, that's, that's the case. When we, when we start to dig into the word, it starts to reveal to us, uh, you know, where God wants to heal us starts to reveal to us our training in holiness and in righteousness. It's like, hey, come up here. And a lot of people talk about being spiritually mature. 
Amen. Who wants to be spiritually mature in here? I want to be spiritually mature. And, uh, you know, I think that spiritual maturity is simply when your lifestyle is congruent to that of the scriptures. You guys know uh, that you're the only Bible that some people read? Amen. So when you have a relationship with the Bible, when you're associated with the scriptures, when your lifestyle starts to match that of the scriptures, people start getting a Bible lesson. They don't even realize it. They start wondering, I wonder what God's really like. And you're like, man, it's like Colton. Man, I wonder what Jesus was like. Man, he's like Asaph. Man, I wonder what I wonder what it was like, you know, to talk to Jesus, to be loved by Jesus, to be served by Jesus. Insert your name. Because you have a relationship with the word. Next point. Number four. God has called us to biblical proficiency. And you guys probably remember this passage, probably heard it in Sunday school. But 2 Timothy 2 and 15 says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. I love that passage of Scripture. What do you guys think? I love that. I want to read it one more time. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. That's where the Bible reveals to us our responsibility. When we get into the scripture, we start learning about the responsibility that we have, which is why I never wanted to read it as a kid. You guys know what I'm talking about? You're like, nope, get the Bible away from me. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to hear anything about the scriptures because I do not want to be responsible for what I hear. La, 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 la. That's, that, that was me as a kid in Sunday school class. I just plugged my ears. Because I knew that the active word of God, I knew enough to know that the word of God was active. And then if it, if it got deposited into me, I was going to have to do something about it. Right? But that's actually what God calls us to as Christians. It's not just for priests. It's not just for ministers. It's not just for people who are ordained. It's not just for people who went to seminary. But all of us are called to be workers that have been approved, not ashamed, because we know how to rightly handle the word of God. You know, I think one of the biggest mistakes that Israel made in the Old Testament was the fact that they outsourced their responsibility to have relationship with God to their leadership. You ever thought about that as you read the story? You know, God is saying, hey, I want the whole church, if I may. I want the whole congregation. I want the whole nation. I want the whole community to come up here and to have fellowship with me. But then Israel said, no, thanks. We're good. We're actually actually afraid of doing that. And you know what I think their fear was about? I don't think it was about seeing God. I think it was about what they knew they would have to give up to see God. That's what I think their fear was about. And they said, you know what, Moses, you just go up the mountain. You commune with God. Asaph mentioned it this morning, Exodus 33. You go up and then come back and then give us a Bible study. Tell us about what God spoke to you about in prayer. Guys, we're not called to outsource our responsibility to read the Bible to our pastors. We're not called to outsource our responsibility to be intimate with the Holy Spirit to our leaders. But we, each of us, each and every one of us, Jesus didn't just die for your pastors, for your leaders, for your parents or anybody else. Jesus died for you, right? He became the intercessor. He became the mediator. He paved the path in his own blood so that you personally could have direct connection and fellowship with the Father. So, you know, reading the Bible is not something that we consider to be optional as Christian people. 
Because each and every one of us are called to biblical proficiency and Jesus died on the cross to give you an invitation to read his word and to be blessed by it. That's for each and every one of us, all of us. We're all called to be proficient workers in the word. Each and every one of us are. You know, the Bible doesn't just reveal our responsibility. The Bible, you know, doesn't just make an invitation, but the Bible is actually what grants us grace for victory. And that's the last point I want to make to you guys this morning is that we actually win by the word. Can you guys just say that with me? Say, I I win by the word. This is, this is something that I think has, has spoken so profoundly to me in my own life. Ephesians 6 and 17 says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Do you guys know that the sword of the Spirit is the only offensive weapon that we have against the enemy? You guys ever read that passage? I know you learned it in Sunday school. Probably, you know, probably got dressed up in it. Anybody else have that little armor set as a kid? The, the full armor of God? I had that. My parents dressed me up in it, sent me to Sunday school. I'm I'm sure I liked that day. You know, I'm sure that was fun. They still show me old VHS tapes of me singing on the stage. The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand up on the word of God. Come on, Nick. I'm just kidding. I just... (laughs) Did anybody else sing that song as a kid? Anybody else? Right? I stand upon the word of God. You know, the word of God, that's our only foundation. It's never shaken. Because even though everything else fades away and everything else, else is shaken, the word of God will never be shaken. So the word of God, it says right here, the word of God is the sword of the spirit. You know, if we don't know how to wield the sword of the spirit, we shouldn't be surprised when we continually lose our battles. Because the sword is our only offensive weapon. Guys, if you were drafted today, if today was the day you got a call from the government and they said, man, today is your day. You got to go to war today. You got to go to a foreign country today. And here you go, soldier. We're going to issue you this sword. And this is the only weapon that you're going to be allowed to use. This is all you've got. How many of you guys would just set it up on the mantle and let it just rust away? No, your life would depend upon your ability to use your weapon. So every day, even if you weren't fighting actively against an enemy, you would get it out and you would swing it and you'd be strengthened by it and you'd become comfortable with it until it was literally an extension of yourself. Every day you would get it out and polish it and sharpen it and you would make sure that when the time came, because you're not ignorant of Satan's devices, right? You know he's planted against you in the same way that God has planted to bless you. And so you wield that sword, you get it out, you get comfortable with it, you get ready for it because you know that that is your offensive weapon. And your ability to live by it is going to determine your ability to walk in victory. So you get used to it. You got the helmet of salvation on, the breastplate of righteousness, gird up the loins with truth, shod the feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, and then you got the sword of the Spirit which is what causes us to overcome, which is what causes us to win. I want to read one more scripture to you guys before I dismiss. But as I do that, I just want to ask you to stand because we're going to pray today. And what I, want to, what I would love for us to pray about today is just asking the Lord for an impartation of hunger for the word. You know, the word of God is something that is so easily dismissed and overlooked. But to be honest with you guys, I think that reading the Bible every day has been like one of the single greatest 
contributors to having any wisdom at all for me, to be honest with you. If, if, if you read the Bible every day, you speak to God every day and you invite a spirit of revelation on your life. When we read the, when we read the word, we actually invite wisdom to dwell upon us. That's what happens when we read the word. We're communicating to God that we would like some wisdom. You say, God, I want to grow in wisdom, so I'm reading the word. I want to grow in revelation, so I'm reading the word. I want to grow in insight, so I'm reading the word. And it's crazy, even when you don't think you get anything out of it, for the rest of the day, you just walk in this revelation. You just walk in this insight. People who are older than you, they're more experienced than you, they don't get it, they don't understand it, you don't either. You just have wisdom for the situation. And that's what the word of God does gives you wisdom. You know, I told this, uh, I told this story at the end of the first one, and I, I, I want to tell it to you just because I think it's fun and it, it gets me pumped up. So you guys want to end on a high note? So as a, as a, as a kid, uh, I used to, I used to struggle with, with night terrors. Anybody else in here experience that as a kid? I know a lot of kids do, but you know, I would be gripped by this paralyzing fear in my sleep. I, I, I would, uh, it happened almost every single night and I would wake up my bed sheets would just be soaked in sweat and I would, I would have nightmares and I would remember them vividly and at the end of every one I would die. It was the craziest thing. It was just a terrible season of my life where I was afraid to sleep by myself. And as I got older, you know, they continued to happen and even when I began walking with the Lord closely in my early 20s, they continued to happen. And it was almost like every single night at three o'clock in the morning, I would wake up in my bed, set up, and I would begin to pray. And I would begin to ask God for protection. I would begin to ask God for deliverance. And it would take a long time before I would feel any relief. And I realized at that time that the devil is not afraid of a word that you don't believe. It doesn't do any good for you to shout into the darkness. You actually have to bring a word of truth, capital T, that's backed by God, given by God, that deals with the plan of the enemy. And so the Lord woke me up one morning. I think it was a little bit later than that, but I remember God whispering in my ear and he told me, he said, hey, if you want to deal with this situation, then the word of God is your relief. That is your weapon. Learn to steward the word of God and you will come against this that the enemy's trying to do in your life. And so I began to study the scriptures. I began to pick up the Bible. I began to read Psalm 91. I began to pick out Psalms. I, I love to read the Psalms, not just read them, but pray through them. And I would actually write a little S uh, for sleep. And, and, and I, I made a note in my Bible. I said, this is a Psalm for sleep. And so at the end of my night, I used to go by all of the S's in my Bible. And I would pray those, pray those scriptures about, about the, the, about the S's. And, uh, I treasured that Bible, man. I took that Bible with me everywhere because it had all my notes, all my highlights. You can tell, you can, you can almost tell the maturity of a Christian by how their Bible looks. Worn out. And I, I had that Bible with me. I took that Bible to Africa. I took that Bible to India. I took that Bible everywhere with me. And it was, it was literally my sword. It was my, my way of coming against the plan of the enemy in my life. Sometime I would take it. It's a maroon Bible. I gave it to my brother as a gift, one of the most treasured gifts I think I've ever given away. And I would put it on my head because the last thing my grandfather gave me before he died. And I would put it on my head and I would just, oh, revelation. I would just ask for wisdom. I would just pray over myself with the Bible on my head. 
And I say, God, anoint me with your word. I want to be wise. I want to have revelation. And I want, to, I want to know it. And I'm not just talking about know it because I can recite it from memory. I want to know it in my spirit. I want to have like an intimate relationship with your word, God. I want to know it. And I'll put it on my head. And I, I, would, I would go up on the rooftop when I was a missionary in India. And 300 kids screaming and pooping in the floor down below me. And just going crazy. And I'd put it up on the roof. And I'd set it down on the ground. And I would get on my knees and I'd lean over and I'd put my forehead on that Bible. And that was how I prayed when I was there. I said, God, give me wisdom. I don't know how to handle 300 kids. How's this going to happen? How are we going to get money for that? How are we going to feed these kids? I don't know, but I know there's truth in the word. I know there's truth in your word. Speak to me, God. Reveal to me. Give me an appetite for this word. And in the beginning, you know, when I first started reading, first couple of scriptures, I could only get a chapter in before I get bored. But the more I read it, the hungrier I got for it. And then pretty soon I was devouring books. Wanted to eat a you know, whole book a day. Wanted to eat 10 chapters a day. And that's the way you get hungry for the word and the spirit. You eat it. You eat the Bible. And eventually it came to a point to where I had these scriptures. I had my sword sharpened and unsheathed and ready to go against the enemy during these night terrors. I'll tell you guys what I did. I actually started to set my own alarm clock at 3 a.m. Because I knew that's when typically I would get woken up out of these nightmares. So I said, you know what, devil? I'm not going to wait for you to come to me. I'm just going to set an appointment to come to you. And so I would set my alarm clock at 3 o'clock. And when it, when it would go off, I'd get up out of my bed and I would grab that word. And I'd just start releasing scriptures over the plan of the enemy. I would just start releasing scriptures over my family. I'd start releasing scriptures over my brother. I'd start releasing scriptures over my neighborhood. And in that was the transformation that I needed because I knew that it was through the word of God that I had victory. We're overcomers by the blood of the lamb and by the what? The word of our testimony. So I want to read one more scripture and I'll read it all together and we're going to pray. But it's, uh, it comes from Joshua 1.8. And we'll read it all together as a declaration about the scriptures and the word of God for our life. Because it truly is an integral element. So let's go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate on it day and night. So that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. How good is that, guys? So I just want to ask you to bow your head, close your eyes. We're going to pray this morning. Before we pray over ourselves for an appetite for the word, I want to call everybody who's here, who's far from God, into the family. Jesus died on the cross for you, shed his blood for your sin, so that you might live with him forever, free and righteous. And if you're here this morning and you have never came to Jesus, and called him Lord and Savior. Today is the day of your deliverance. And if that's you today and you want to come home maybe for the first time or maybe it's, it's many times and you feel far from God today and you just need a fresh start, I want to pray with you right now. I just want to ask you to lift your hand quick so I can see you. We want to pray for you. We want to invite you to get saved today. Amen, I see you. Amen. Awesome. Anybody else? We're going to pray for you. Amen. Awesome, awesome. So everybody, just repeat after me because we're gonna pray today with our brothers and our sisters that are receiving you, maybe for the first time or maybe they're just coming home, amen? So we just say, Jesus, 
You're God. You're also my Lord. You're my Savior. You're my Deliverer. And I am a sinner. But by your blood, you set me free so that I could live with you both today and forever. Fill me with the Holy Spirit and with a passion for your word and your presence so that I might be a transformative power in this world. I love you, Jesus. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. For those of you guys that raised your hand, and even if you didn't raise your hand, but you prayed that prayer sincerely in your heart, today is a day of your salvation. When you walk out of this place, your life is going to be different. It's not going to be the same. So, Father, we just ask you, God. We ask you this morning, and I want to invite our closer to come on up, but we ask you, God, to put in us, in the same way I put the Bible on my head. Some of you guys just need to lay hands on yourself right now. Father, we ask you for a hunger for the Word of God. Lord, give us a hunger. Give us a discipline. Give us a responsibility to read the Bible every single day of our lives. Even if it's to listen to the audio book, that's fine too. Just give us something. Show us where to start, God. That's what we ask. Show us where to start. If reading the Bible seems difficult for you, ask the Lord right now just to show you where to start. Maybe that's an audio book. Maybe that's one scripture a day. Lord, we we ask you, give us a hunger for the word. We, We pray over ourselves. We ask for a hunger for the word. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Let's just give up a big round of applause to Jesus. Let's bless his name. We love you, God. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lyle. How many of you guys were just so blessed and encouraged by that word? So good. If I could have the ministry team come forward, if you guys need breakthrough in your life or healing in your body, or if you sat there and listened to that word and you were just like, I'm so challenged by that. And I, I just want to demo- devote my life to that. Come forward. We'd love to pro- like just to partner with you guys in that season. So otherwise, we will see you guys next week. Don't forget, if you want to sign up for dinner parties, you can go to our website and find the link through there. And we love you guys. Have a blessed week, and we'll see you next week.